0: hello and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Discovery Point Church. What What an awesome time of worship. You know, there will come a day when Jesus will wipe away every tear and we'll get to see him face to face and that is the day that we long for and the day that we hope for. Amen? Amen. If you have a Bible this evening, uh, our scripture is found in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, where we have been over the past few months uh, looking at the kingdom life, where Jesus has been preaching the Sermon on the Mount, telling his disciples how to live the kingdom life, how to live life as a kingdom citizen, And our our text is found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20, and this is what the scripture records. Jesus says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit but every bad tree bears bad fruit a good tree cannot produce bad fruit nor can a bad tree produce good fruit every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire so then you will know them by their fruits will you pray with me And father in heaven we thank you for uh, just a sweet time of worship to be reminded that one day we will see you face to face and you will indeed wipe away every tear. And there, Lord, we will serve you throughout all eternity. But until that day, Lord, help us and empower us by your Holy Spirit to live a life that is pleasing to you. Help us to live out the kingdom life, Lord, each and every day that through us you might be glorified. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we pray and we ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Jesus is drawing to uh, to a close the Sermon on the Mount. And as he begins to conclude his instructions for kingdom living, he draws our attention to to a few important considerations. Just a few weeks ago, he told us to, to pray and to seek and to knock. And the idea is simply this, when you are in need, when there is a need to keep on praying, to keep on seeking, and to keep on knocking. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 8, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And Jesus says, don't stop praying. Don't stop seeking. And don't stop knocking. And I got to tell you, I'm a witness to this. Sometimes it may take a day or a week for the Lord to answer. Sometimes it may take 22 months for the Lord to move you from one place to another. And of that, I am a witness. But in between that time that you pray and the Lord answers, Jesus says, keep on praying, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. And just last week, he told us about two paths. He warned that there were two gates, two paths through life. One was spacious and broad. And many will find it, Jesus says, but that broad path leads to destruction. But there is another gate, and that is the narrow gate, Jesus says. He says that the way to it is hard, but it leads to life. It leads to kingdom life. But not many will find it, Jesus says. And he commanded his disciples to enter through that narrow gate. That narrow gate that leads to life, to kingdom life. So you and I, as kingdom citizens, need to ensure that we are entering through the narrow gate. And that gate is Jesus Christ and him alone today in our text. Jesus is going from from two gates to two trees. And he wants us to to beware of some things that are are very important. And so if you look at the text, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus says this, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are, are ravenous wolves. And he begins with a command. And that command is to, to beware. The Greek word is proskeo, prosceko, and it means to take heed. It means to be concerned about it. It means to be in a state of alertness, to be on guard, or to, play, to pay close attention to. It's a, in the Greek text, it's what's called a. a, a present active imperative. That means it's something that you and I are to do each and every day throughout the day, that it is to be a habit in our lives, that you and I are to be alert, that we are to be on guard. When I was in the Air Force uh, so many moons ago, my, my, my regular job was Aircraft Maintenance Specialist, but I did the one thing that you're not supposed to do in the military, and that is volunteer. And I volunteered one day because they needed somebody to do something. And I was so excited. And that was I would, my wartime skill then became to be security augmentee. So if we ever went to war, I would help with base security, sitting in a foxhole for 16 hours a day, watching a fence line. Pretty exciting work, I know. But during the training, they taught us some things. Like, number one, always be ready for anything and everything. And number two, never sit with your back to the door. And my wife will tell you, when we go out to eat, I always have a view of the front door. And she knows not to sit there because um, she knows I'm watching. And uh, I, I have a colleague who likes to take advantage of this training. And uh, so when, it, when I'm at work, sometimes he'll just sneak up behind me and go, sunshine. That's what he calls me at work. And because he knows, and he's about an arm's length away, because my reaction is to do this, to be on alert, to be on guard for anything that might happen. And that's the idea here that Jesus says. He says to be on guard, which tells us simply this, that when you walk into this facility, you don't check your mind at the door. Amen? When you walk into this facility, you need to hang on to every word that comes from this pulpit. And I know you're comfortable with Pastor Greg and Pastor Ron and Pastor Gregory and myself, but when you walk in here, check every word. Which means that you shouldn't just be reading the word of God, but that you ought, you ought to be studying the word of God. And Jesus says, beware of the false prophets. The Greek word is pseudo-prophetes. Pseudo-false-prophetes, prophets. Beware of the false prophet. These are those who claim to speak for God. They they claim to represent God. They claim to teach and to preach the word of God. And yet, they, they have some ulterior motives. And this is not the false prophet found in Revelation. It's not the false prophet. But they are plural. These are false prophets. And what do they do? They they may prophesy in Jesus' name. They may teach in Jesus' name. They may heal in Jesus' name. They may even work miracles in Jesus' name. They might even cast out demons in Jesus' name. And look at what he says about them. He says, beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Jesus says that they will approach us in sheep's clothing. They they will come with an an air of innocence. They'll come with an air of of gentleness and sincerity. They they seem harmless on the outside. They they look like sheep. They they talk like sheep. They they smell like sheep. They, They behave like sheep. And so we can't identify them by their appearance because they come to us dressed in sheep's clothing. Look at what Jesus says. He says, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. The reality is this. When these false prophets enter the church, enter our midst, that's not me, by the way. <laughs> they, are, they are engaging the church for their own gain, and we may never realize how exceedingly greedy they may be, how thieving they may be, how conniving they might be, or how violent they may become. They may even use extortion to get what they want from you and from me, the church. And Jesus says to beware. And it doesn't matter if it's a large church with thousands of people. You can go to that next image. Or if it's a small church like here at Discovery Point Church. Jesus says to beware of the false prophets. Regardless of the size of of the congregation. That we are to be on the alert because they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. I remember just a few years ago there was a a well-known pastor who had written a number of books, some of which I've read, who was dismissed from his church because he was really a wolf in sheep's clothing, uh, using coarse language with the congregation, uh, bearing down and using harsh language with the older board, so much so that Um, They dismissed him, and it was discovered that he was even using church money, church funds, to promote himself. Jesus says, beware. By the way, that pastor was counseled by a number of well-known pastors, and after about six months, he left where he was. He, He moved to Arizona and started a church here. That is growing. And from what I understand, there is no elder board. There is no accountability. And I say that to say this. Jesus says, beware of the false prophets. Don't think that that can't happen to us here. Uh, In 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, Paul, this is Paul's last letter before he is beheaded, and he is writing to Timothy. And Demas has served with Paul for years, however, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9, look at what Paul says to Timothy. He says, make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. But Demas served with Paul while he was in prison. But something happened in Demas' life that caused him to abandon Paul and go after the world. So when Jesus says, beware, we need to beware, and we need to be on guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Amen? So when you come here, don't let your guard down. Keep your guard up and check us. Make sure that we're following what the scripture says. And I want you to understand that the church has been warned about false teachers since the beginning of of Christ's ministry. For example in Acts chapter 20 verse 28 and following uh, Paul tells the Ephesian elders, he says this, he says, be on your guard, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I know, Paul says, that after my departure, here it is, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. Paul echoes... What Jesus echoes in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, be on the alert. Keep your eyes and your ears open for false teachers. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he tells Timothy this. He says, but the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, that's today, here in 21st century, some will fall away from the faith paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of hypocrisy of, of liars, seared in their own conscience, as with the branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth." Paul tells Timothy that in the last days, the Spirit says, men are going to fall away. That was true of Demas. And prayerfully, that won't be true of us today, because we are going to be on guard for false teachers. Uh, Jude, a small book in the Bible, Jude says this. He says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So we've seen throughout the New Testament where we've been warned to be on the alert, to keep our eyes open, to be on guard for these false prophets, for these false teachers. And why? Here's the reasoning. Paul tells the church at Corinth this in 2 Corinthians 11, where they had encountered these super apostles who had come to the church to try to get some credit for themselves. And in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 12 through 15, here's what Paul says. He says, but what am I do- what I am doing, excuse me, I will continue to do so that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the matter about which they are boasting. Verse 13, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, it Paul says, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness whose end will be according to their deeds." Even Paul says that Satan disguises himself as a a messenger, as an angel of light, and so do his followers. So do his angels, which all the more means we need to be on guard and, and trying to beware of false teachers that may creep into the church. Does that make sense? Well, how do we identify these false teachers if they come in in sheep's clothing? What are we supposed to look for? Well, Jesus tells us in the first half of uh, verse 16 in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says that, you will know them by their fruits. He says, you will know them by their fruits, not by what they wear, not by their good hair, but you will know them by their fruit. Fruit in the Bible is the produce of our living. No pun intended, by the way. It is is what we say. It is how we live out our lives. Fruit is, is character, not how we look, but what is being produced. Is it the fruit of the spirit? Or is it the fruit of the flesh? And Jesus says that the litmus test to identify false prophets is to look at their fruit. Are they living lives of integrity? Is their life characterized by Christ-likeness? Again, can we spot the fruit of the Spirit? Or do we see a lot of the fruit of the flesh? That is how you will know. Charles Spurgeon says this when trying to identify uh, these false prophets. He says how? By their eloquence? No, some of the worst teachers have had great persuasiveness. You shall know them by their earnestness. No, some have compassed sea and land to make proselytes to a lie. You shall know them how then? If their teaching makes you better, if it makes you love God, if it draws you to holiness, if it inspires you, with noble and heroic sentiments so that you imitate Christ, then listen to them. If what you hear from this pulpit draws you closer to Jesus Christ, causes you to examine your life so that you you begin to live out the kingdom life more and more, then listen. Because false teachers, false prophets, they will steer you away from the scriptures. They might add a little bit of Bible, but then give you tons and tons of story, tons and tons about themselves, tons and tons about the world. They may use human philosophy and human reasoning, which Paul, in in Colossians chapter 2, he tells the church to don't let anybody take you captive through philosophy and empty deception. Don't let anybody take you captive. They may even gradually shift our focus away from Jesus and onto something else, something that you might want, something that you might need, even themselves sometimes. I found over my life that false teachers can be very charismatic, very eloquent, drive a big fancy car, live in a huge mansion, and be empty on the inside. We are to look at their fruit. What's the remedy for false teachers? The remedy is the Word of God. Amen? Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says this. He says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearance and his kingdom, here it is, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Here's why. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to myths. And when you look at our culture today, there, there are so many distractions, whether it's these gadgets that are glued to our hands sometimes, in the marketplace, whether social media, podcasts, the internet, television, radio, movies. There are so many things vying for our time and our attention and our minds. We need to filter all of that through the word of God because this is the only thing that will change us. And it is God's only truth. And so we need to filter everything we hear through the Word of God. Which means that as pastors here at Discovery Point Church, we're accountable. We're accountable to Jesus, the Great Shepherd. And we're accountable to you as the flock. There's no separation between the, 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 the platform and the pew. We all belong to Jesus, and we're all accountable. Amen? So if you hear something that just doesn't sound right, come talk to us. And, you, and we'll, we'll talk to you. We won't berate you. We won't, we won't beat you with the word, but we'll talk to you. I remember a time here, I think earlier this year, I said something that didn't come out right. And the the very next Sunday, I had to make that correction. And I was okay with that because it came out wrong. So if you hear something that doesn't sound right, talk to us. Will you do that? Amen. And so Jesus turns this this conversation to the the, the idea of agriculture because he wants to drive this point home concerning false teachers. The second half of verse 16 in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus asks the rhetorical question, grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? And the answer is a resounding, no they're not. You get grapes from grapevines. You get figs from fig trees. Thorns and thistles, they come from Arizona. All year round. Here's the point. One commentator says this. He says, the fruit of a plant is in accord with the identity of of the particular plant. The fruit of a plant is in accord with the identity of the particular plant. Let that sink in. In other words, you get lemons from lemon trees. You get oranges from orange trees. Right? You get bananas from banana trees. Right? You don't get lemons from orange trees. And those in the first century would understand exactly what Jesus was saying, is that certain trees produce certain kinds of fruit, and they don't produce anything else. What's the point? Here are the two trees. Look at verses 17 through 19. Now that Jesus has their attention, he says this, So. Every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. Verse 18, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now I want to back up because there is a play on words here in verse 17. In verse 17, look closely with me. Jesus says this, He says, so every good tree... Now, the the Greek word for for good is is agathon, and it means useful, of of good character, beneficial, pure, uh, meets a high quality or standard. So every tree that is of good character, that is beneficial, that is pure, produces not agathon, but Calus, uh, good as to quality or character, of moral quality, praiseworthy, honorable, virtuous, virtuous. So every tree that is agathon produces a fruit of moral quality, fruit that is praiseworthy, fruit that is honorable, fruit that is virtuous. But he says, but the bad tree. And the Greek word here for bad is sapron. And it means not in good condition, poor quality, rotten, worthless, unsound, unwholesome, bad. That describes the tree. And it bears bad fruit. And the the Greek word for bad here is, is paniros. And it means evil, wicked, base, worthless, vicious, degenerate. And there's this play on words. Every tree that is of good character, that is of a high quality or high standard, produces fruit that is moral and and, and praiseworthy and virtuous and honorable. But every tree that is of poor quality, worthless, and unsound produces an evil and a wicked fruit. You don't see that in the English, but I found this very fascinating. Here's the biblical truth. Look at verse 18. Jesus says, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. And again, there's a play on words. He says, a tree of good character, Agathon, does not produce or bear evil or worthless fruit. And Jesus says it does not have the ability. It cannot produce bad fruit. A good tree, Jesus says, cannot, does not have the ability to produce bad fruit. Nor, he says, does an unwholesome, rotten, worthless tree, sapron, produce or bear calus. Fruit that is honorable, praiseworthy, beautiful. He says it does not have the ability. What's the point? False teachers do not produce good fruit. False prophets do not produce good fruit. But those who preach the word of God and rightly divide the word of God produce good fruit. And Jesus' point is we need to know the difference between the two, the good tree and the bad tree. And Jesus says, you will know them by their what? You will know them by their fruit, by what they produce. And just like the, the wide Gate from last week, that is broad and at least to destruction, so too, Jesus said in verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire." Now, don't think here. Don't think salvation. Don't read salvation into the context, because the context is false teachers. This is judgment against false teachers. This is false teachers standing before the Lord and receiving their due judgment for trying to mislead God's people. Does that make sense? You know, in in the first century, Jesus dealt with with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and not all Pharisees and Sadducees were were evil. Some Some were on the up and up. I can think of one named Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night. But generally, they were against Jesus, and they didn't like Jesus. And there are Pharisees in this crowd and Sadducees in this crowd that Jesus is preaching to. And just later on in Matthew, Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is going to say this. It's not on the screen, but he's going to tell them this. He's going to say, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people, for you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those entering to go in. Jesus lets the Pharisees know a little later on in his ministry that you guys, you, you don't enter the kingdom of heaven, even though you pretend to, and you keep others from entering. He goes on to tell them, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte, And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. That they will go out of their ways to draw men to themselves to keep them from coming to Jesus. Which is why Jesus says, beware the false prophets. So then, verse 20, you will know them by their fruits. Fruits, plural. You will know them by their fruits. David C. McCaslin uh, said this, wrote this in, in uh, the Our Daily Bread magazine. This was some years ago. It's a little dated, but listen to what he says. He says, When people see a photograph or video today, they often ask, Is it real? A home computer can manipulate images to create a picture of an event that never happened. Matter of fact, there was an article just this week, uh, Wednesday or Thursday, where AI created this beautiful young lady in a two-piece bikini and put this image online and said she was a model. And there were offers to date her in the thousands on on this website. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. She wasn't real. It was a computer-generated image. All right, I digress. All right, he says, Images can be inserted into or, or removed from photographs. A video can be doctored to make it appear that a person was caught committing a crime or performing an act of heroism. The camera may not lie, but the computer can. And he points us to uh, 2, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 where Paul says this, but realize this, talking to Timothy, that in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, uh, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. I know this is not like today. Um, Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. If you ever hear somebody from this pulpit preach something other than scripture, run, because I'll be a step ahead of you. But I don't think you'll find that here at Discovery Point Church. Paul ends with this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Paul, or, or now Paul, Timothy, excuse me, learned from Paul. Paul was a good tree. And you've got good trees planted here that you can learn and grow from. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to end with this. David McCaslin says this, when people hear us say we are Christians, they may wonder if our faith is real. He says, our lives will answer the question by reflecting the reality of Christ. And to that I say, amen. Amen? Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word, and Lord Jesus, we thank you for this uh, timely and uh, very stern morning to to be on guard and to be aware of those who would uh, seek to come in and lead us away from you. Lord, give us ears to hear the truth of your word, and give us an understanding, Lord, so that if we hear anything that is contrary to your word, that we would realize it. Help us to read and to study your word, so that as we live out this kingdom life, we bring you honor and glory. And Lord, we ask these things in your name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.